Balotelli, Aguero! Lewandowski goes through again, oh he just can't do it, you just cannot be that good, that is an amazing goal, I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on guys and welcome to another episode of the 50 plus one football podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga, I'm Billy and with me is a man I love just as much as Mino Raiola loves money. It's Lewis. Yes, welcome to another round of why Billy detests Mino Raiola. I'm just kidding. That's not the only topics we've got for you today, but we will be looking at the transfer rumors that we have going on in both the Premier League and the Bundesliga, as well as some otherworldly topics, so to speak. We'll be looking at media treatment of some players, and then we will round it off with an incident in Germany that has targeted referees. All that and more coming to you right after this. Holland's Valley is beautiful beyond compare. Well, should we start with an incident that happened a couple weeks ago now? Uh, that because of work commitments, we didn't get to cover. So for those that might not have seen it, in the Gladbach game away at Bochum, the linesman was hit by... He, he had beer thrown at him, basically, and it hit him in the head. And the game, it was as a very a result, boiled was, down was, way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty boiled, you know... Cliff Notes version. There you go. And and the game was abandoned. I mean, you you struggled to think what's going through some people's heads. I mean, not being happy with the referee's decision, I think every football fan gets that. But the thing is, it was a relatively unprovoked attack. If we're being honest, it was Bochum losing 2-0 at home against Gladbach, who, for all intents and purposes, Bochum should be beating in their current state. But the fact that frustration just plays out like that, that's definitely crossing the line. I mean, as Joey would say, the line's so far away from you, it's, it's a dot to you. 71 minutes into a game you're 2-0 down right chances are you're not going to get a result out of that game so just I know it's difficult to just accept that you're going to lose but there comes a time where you just have to go okay maybe we're not as good as we think we are because this is also it's it's horrible and you know it should never have happened uh, to uh, Christian Gietelmann, the linesman. But this is the prime reason as to why we can't have nice things in the UK. If we had beer, because, I mean, they're pretty robust, these plastic cups, as I hold in my hand the one from Gladback. Wait. You throw, some, you throw that at someone with enough force, it's going to hurt. 
not only that, but it's also the fact that he wasn't expecting it. So, you know, he's obviously not bracing for that. I think the official statement was that he was even uh, admitted to the hospital with a whiplash. I know it's serious, but that sounds ridiculous from having a cup thrown at you. It does, but on the other hand, you you wouldn't you'd be surprised, you know, with the cup of if it's if it's got some liquid and it's traveling fast enough, he's not expecting it. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you, it does sound a little bit more than what it is, but I think you know, not be with us not being medical professionals, we can't really give a ju- or pass judgment on that. But Anyways, it's not about, you know, that part of the whole fiasco. I think it's more of the fact that now that fan is definitely, I mean, for better or for worse, he's through his actions, he's at least opened the conversation up again about how referees need more protecting, which is the good thing. On the other hand, he's done it. And I mean, he got Bochum the loss of the three points, which... I'm sorry, it probably would have happened anyway. I mean, Bochum's uh, management were protesting that, you know, they should get the match redone, which I think is a, far, is a far shot when it was abandoned in the 83rd minute, officially. You know, with 10 minutes left to go, I highly doubt they're going to turn that around. I think so you could, to make that... You could argue that, argue. that point if it was a Gladbach fan, if it was from the away end, you could argue yeah. that point. It wasn't our fault. We shouldn't have had the game abandoned. Yeah. Because it was one of the home fans. And the Bochum players went mental as well. Oh, they were, they were, they literally, I think that, that was the greatest break I think any players and fans have had. I thought Manuel Ryman was going wow. to uh, throw it back. Yeah. I mean, he, he he went off on one. He was particular, like his gesticulating at the crowd. I, I was surprised he didn't jump the barricades and start punching the guy. Well, it's 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 a it's a difficult one to take in for people in Germany, I imagine, because you get told all these stories about how it's the most, you know, well behaved, most welcoming, the 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 best fan atmosphere. Yeah. And then something like that goes and happens, which you'd expect from Millwall on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> and it's just a re- just a, another reason why you could never have that in the Premier League or the Championship or, or anywhere, because they would just get thrown at the officials. Yeah. I mean, there have been debates now, you know, in Germany, they're saying, you know, what at this point, what do you have to do? You have to start putting up, you know, nets all around the pitch like they do in ice hockey because something could get thrown or, uh, you know, how, how bad does it have to get for people to start realizing, you know, that's not okay. I mean, the fact is that the fans cost his team three points and money, which, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, you can't, uh, I mean, obviously not all Russian athletes are going to be in support of Putin invading the Ukraine, but, you know, to show, force and to you know sanction them somehow you have to sanction all of them so it's kind of the deal here where you have the whole club taking a hit for one person's stupidity but you know just like there you can't you got to start somewhere and if you don't make the organizations hurt 
I don't think it's going to get any better because individual sanctions obviously haven't deterred enough. I think if, if you take it as an isolated incident, because there was that fantastic picture of Jude Bellingham catching one out of the sky. Yeah. But what is this? The first time I've seen it hit an official. Yeah. I think if you take it as an isolated incident, okay, we'll mark it down. You sanction Bochum, you, you punish them in some way. But you don't overreact and do the NHL thing and put nets around everywhere because that way you take away. I think because watching that through, watching football through a net would be. Oh, it's annoying as hell doing it behind the behind a goal. But imagine that all the way through. Yeah, please don't. Do you want to talk about my favorite person? It's like a leech. He's everywhere. He really is. I don't know how. I don't know how he represents so many people. Like his but, his team has to be upwards of like a hundred people at this point. To be because fair, to the him, amount of players, as parasitic as he is, he's very good at what he does. He's very good at getting money out of people. Well, yeah. Um, and that is part of the issue <laughs> with Erling Haaland and you know, what will be the blockbuster trade of the season. Yeah. Transfer Transfer of the season. You know, Mbappe's going for free. Okay, fine. That's not as blockbuster. But if you, so anyone that wants to deal with Haaland and Dortmund, you'll have to pay 100 million euros in transfer fee, not the 75 that we've seen most places 25 million euros to Mino Raiola for sort of like facilitating the deal in agents fees 25 million to his dad well because he's also getting himself another facilitation fee and then 25 million a year in wages it's actually upwards of that it's up it's upwards of 25 yeah it's because in all in all, they're they're talking about a package that if you give him a five-year deal, which obviously any team in their right mind would, because I'd only be keeping him at the club until he's 26. He basically is going to, he basically will cost any team upwards of 300 million for one player. So that's including agents fees, transfer fee, and his, uh, his yearly wage. His yearly wage is upwards of thirty. It's 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 an insane amount of money for. Okay, let's be honest. A very good player. Okay, I'm not disputing that. I'm not. This isn't any bitterness because he's not going to my team. This isn't a. Oh well, if he's not playing in red, he's not going to be very good then, is he? This isn't a a bitterness thing, but it's an obscene amount of money. You look how much PSG paid for Neymar. Everyone thought that couldn't be topped. And it's it's going to be. And I, I read this to you before before we recorded, but uh, someone has taken issue with it. Um, Harlan's attitude to the perennial interest in his situation has been one of supreme arrogance and needless self-promotion. A constant game of cat and mouse that isn't doing anything other than making sure his agent and father extract more than the maximum value from any deal. 
it's hard to argue with that point because you know if if we're being honest he's 21 and i'm sorry but he hasn't proven himself on a messi or ronaldo esque stage yet if we're being honest you know, Ronaldo, when he earned his move or when his move came for the then record 94 million that that Real Madrid paid for him, he'd already won a Champions League and he'd been multiple time golden boot winner in the Prem. Ballon d'Or winner that year as well. Exactly. Ballon d'Or winner as well. We're talking about a guy in Haaland who will already cost more than Ronaldo did at that point. And... He's not even won the golden boot in the Bundesliga. Yes, that is because he's up against the probably best number nine of all time. But on the other hand, if he's that good, he should be doing or he should have done a lot more than he has at this moment in time. If we're being honest, he's got complete glass ankles. The amount of time he's spent injured. Well, that's that's the thing. He got injured earlier on in the season. He came back against Wolfsburg, scored, and got injured again. He's only just come back. He went away with Norway and nearly, you know, got injured again. Well, he'd say nearly. I mean, he it's only now been the Norwegian FA saying, you know, yeah, he's not injured or it's not as bad as everyone says it is. But I mean he's rolled his ankle and he's come off early. It doesn't look great. but the, no, And a lot of his injuries have been muscular as well. Yeah, but that is a, a... It seems to be a pattern with explosive players because R9, Ronaldo, had a similar thing at Inter. And Inter did a similar thing to what Dortmund are doing with Haaland, where they're not giving him enough time to facilitate because they're so reliant on him. So they're not letting him recover and rehabilitate properly. And he's getting injured again. Yeah. But I what, mean... I, what I wanted to, to just mention was that, so I, I've done some looking and some, you know, some some nerding out and looking into this, but in 2015, FIFA put a soft cap of 3% on agent commission. The uh, operative word there being soft. Cap. But yeah, it's completely unenforceable. And it's gone completely un, like unused by, by everyone. Yeah. So I... I don't understand because this is so Mino Raiola was he still is Pogba's agent uh, and that was what the the issue with the move from Juventus back to United that's why it took as long as it did because they were fighting over how much they wanted to be paid in agents fees and seeing as we're talking about Raiola and Haaland why don't we talk about Raiola and Serge Gnabry? Well, I mean, before we get into Gnabry, we just have to talk about the fact that uh, Bayern have now had 
a meeting with Raiola about multiple players. So that just goes to show in how many fingers he has or in how many jars he has his fingers. There we go. I couldn't even get the metaphor right. I mean, they, they're meeting with him about uh, Ryan Gravenberg from Ajax, the 19-year-old. Um, and apparently he's also been asked about Haaland. But the deal with Serge Gnabry is the fact that Gnabry, it's this whole thing about, uh, you know, Bayern, you know, and we talked about this a few episodes back, the fact that Bayern themselves kind of shot themselves in the foot because they gave Lucas Hernandez that much money to begin with. And they, they kind of opened up the wage structure. So, and they just gave uh, Kingsley Kuman this massive deal or a massive contract extension till 2027 um, that has Kingsley Coman on 16 million a year. And that's kind of what Serge Gnabry now wants because, you know, he's seeing Leroy Sané on 18 million a year, Coman uh, on 16 or 17 million now a year. And he's wanting to get that kind of status. And if we're being honest, he probably deserves it. And it's the one thing that is keeping him and Bayern basically from signing a contract extension because in all other areas, he's completely happy at the club. But it's the money and it's the fact that, you know, now it's almost like a Niklas Zula type situation where you want the, not just the trust from the board, but like the recognition from the board of what that player means to the club. And now you have a disparity where we could very well be looking at Gnabry leaving the club either this coming summer or at the very latest 2023 for no money whatsoever, which would be insane. Imagine losing Gnabry and Lewandowski either in the same or in consecutive windows. A team, no team recovers from that. No team recovers from two of the most potent offensive players you've got in your starting 11. You don't, you don't just transform a team back into what it was if you lost two players of that caliber. It just wouldn't happen. So do you think the stuff that came out in build today is a load of shite basically saying that he wants to play as a 10 or bafflingly an eight i'm sorry i don't see he, i could see him playing as a 10 maybe but as an eight for lack of a better word yeah that's a load of shit because gnabry is he's fast he's technical he's good at dribbling you don't need that as a number eight as a number eight you also have to have some defensive capabilities it's just Gnabry isn't an eight there's no way he plays as an eight maybe he could play as a 10 sometimes he has slotted into that creative role a little bit but he's also played up top as a backup striker for Germany for instance and I'm not seeing it like the fact that he wants to move away from being a winger if if it were him saying I don't want to be a wing back then yeah, I can I can fully understand that because he isn't a wing back. He, that's not his primary position. He has had to play it when 
uh, Bayern have been missing Davies and have had to move to a back three, he had to play wing back. But, you know, in that sense, Kingsley Coman had to do it as well. And everyone knows that was just a solution or it wasn't a permanent solution. It was a temporary solution to the fact that Bayern are missing players on their back line. So I think that's a lot of BS, but the fact that he's not happy with the wages, that is hundred percent true. And it just fits in with the topic that we've had all throughout this season with Bayern, which is a seeming, I don't know how to put it. It's either a lack of willingness to see what they're doing wrong, like a stubbornness to not see what's going wrong or an inability to. So they're either too stubborn or can't do their jobs properly. Well, I also throw in the fact that they're, you know, Bayern, as much as, as much as they definitely are not doing, or at least for us outsiders aren't doing their jobs properly. You also have to take into account that Bayern are taking or have taken hits with the whole pandemic and the fact that, you know, gate receipts aren't what they used to be. Um, and so on and so forth. So they haven't escaped the pandemic easily because at the end of the day, Bayern are the only club in Europe who are actually trying to, at, on the one hand, stay a favorite to win the Champions League and on the other hand, still manage with the money they've got to basically budget everything properly still pay their players high wages and do all of this without having a massive investor. Cause that's, I'd say that's the reason the premier league clubs right now are still saying, Oh yeah, hundred million for Haaland, 300 million package for city. No problem. United wouldn't be a problem. Chelsea, it wouldn't be a problem either. Well at the minute. Yes. But <laughs> um, you know, it Liverpool, it wouldn't be a problem either because they all have massive investors you know, we're talking, we've, we've heard things about Aston Villa being linked with a 72 million buy. You know, it's Aston Villa is a mid-league table club. And they're supposed to be spending 72 million. That's, that, that is only, the, just to put it into perspective, Bayern's record signing in Lucas Hernandez is 80 million euros. Their second highest signing is 30 million less than that. And Aston Villa, a mid-table club, are supposed to be spending 72 million pounds. Just let that go through your head for a bit. Aston Villa are nowhere near winning winning the Premier League or winning the Champions League. Bayern are in for the Champions League every season. Yet one club is spending almost as much as the other. That is insane. And that's an insane disparity which is also a beautiful link to what Oliver Kahn said. And that there is a massive, there are chasms of daylight between the Premier League and the Bundesliga when we're talking about marketability and the amount of money being spent and pushed into the clubs. Yeah, but again, this isn't news. Like this isn't anything shocking to anyone. We know that, there's not as many marketable stars in the Bundesliga. Yeah, which is what uh, Hans-Joachim Batzke has said, um, who is also the CEO at Dortmund. 
I mean, I think he's looking also specifically at a Haaland transfer because if we're being honest, a lot of people probably watch the Bundesliga to see Haaland play as well. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the market marketability of having one of the, if not the hottest prospects in world football at the minute, that's definitely going to boost numbers. But he's completely right. The Bundesliga is in danger of losing all stars. And at one point, it'll just be Bayern with some players with star allure and the rest of the teams won't have anything. I don't think that's necessarily the case because you look at players that have come through recently, Kai Havertz, Florian Wurtz at Leverkusen and Kunku to a lesser extent. You know, I know I know he was at PSG. Yeah, but just but he's, he's let me put this that. into perspective for you. Most people at Chelsea probably wouldn't have taken half a look at Kai Havertz until they were actually like, oh, wow, he's supposed to be coming to us for 80 million. Maybe we should have a look at who this guy is. Florian Wirtz, if we're being honest, I don't think a lot of Premier League players or a lot of people outside of Germany or Bundesliga fans are going to know who he is. Christopher Nkunku isn't even getting into the France squad or the recognition that he deserves for the amazing season he's putting out. He was in the last one. Yeah, but before that, how long did it take him? Oh, yeah. To get nominated. And I would argue he's still not recognized as widely. I'd ask you to, I'd literally ask any average Premier League fan if he knows who Christopher Nkunku is. He probably wouldn't be able to tell you. And these are the people who are already seen as being the stars of the Bundesliga. Yeah, there is quite a disparity between the two. 100%. Before we move to Premier League, I have just found this thing from FIFA. So from 2022, they're implementing a 10% cap on all uh, agents' fees I mean, they've just gone and tripled the original cap they put on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but 500.8 million spent on agents' fees in 2021, which is a 110% increase from 2014. Jesus Christ. And of the 17,945 international transfers that took place um, in 2021, only 19.8% involved an intermediary that's insane so, so like an issue so, so from basically 20 percent of all the transfers in the world half a billion dollars in agents fees yeah in agents fees like we we spoke earlier in the episode about the uh what mina raiola got from the paul pogba to united move 49 million euros for representing Pogba, United, and Juve. And it was then looked into by FIFA. Who, of course, back then were, you know, as corrupt as the day is long. So, hopefully, maybe, um, who knows? We could see an end of Mino, Mino, yeah, Mino's, Oh, come on, think about it. Come on, I've got this. I've got this in my head. I've got this in my head. Ah, Mino's transfer Riola coaster. Yes, Mino's <laughs> transfer Riola coaster. 
thank you oh my man thank you this is why we do this together and you're leaving all of that in 100%. Me, that is the title of the episode Mino's transfer Raiola Costa I'm writing that down we, we should we should see how early in the year we can already title an episode like that because it's happened at least once every summer that we have a whole episode dedicated to Mino Raiola and his money scheming plots of how he's going to make the most money of any agent in each transfer window which is inevitable. And exactly. If anyone hasn't seen it or or doesn't know about it, uh, the Tifo football guys, they've got a fantastic like a uh, life story of Mino Raiola from pizza maker to international business tycoon scumbag. <laughs> tycoon. I've got a lot of respect for um like how he does his business. I just don't like him. Well, yeah, because he's making, he literally is the reason why so many players get so greedy is because he basically tells them you could, I mean, you are worth this much, but you could be making this much. Exactly. But I think it's time to leave that. And let's move over to the Premier League. Salah. Should we start off with a link between the Premier League and the Bundesliga? Make it a nice, soft transition. Timo Werner. He wants out at Chelsea. And you already said Dortmund would be a good fit. Where do you think he should end up? I, again, I said Dortmund, but I was talking to some people recently and one of them said into Milan if, oh, okay. if they lost Lautaro Martinez that being hanging on the fact that Martinez is apparently only going for about 90 million yeah I mean it's it's, it's a big if yeah uh but yeah who who says no to that because he he, he he wants out of Chelsea, apparently. I mean, it's kind of understandable, seeing as he's only third string to go up top after Kai Havertz and Romelu Lukaku, both of which costing a combined 195 million euros between just two players. And Big Brom's not been that good either. I was about to say, that's crazy as well. Lukaku has not been what people have expected, and he still would get in over Timo Werner on the team sheet. The thing is, though, I've said that he's 26 now, man. I've said this uh, when Frank Lampard was the manager. And I thought he'd do really well under Thomas Tuchel. I genuinely thought he'd do really well. Um, But But also doesn't play the same system that he probably thrives in. The system he thrives in is that two up front. With a, a, a toolish target man to sort of feed off those balls because he can't play the target man. And he also can't no. play out wide because he's not got the distribution in him. 
not. I mean, he's got the speed and te- uh, technical ability about him, but you know, it's his, it's his uh, balls into the, in his balls into the box that basically kind of kill him at that point. Because yeah, he kind of makes, as you say, those searching runs down the wing and then kind of goes inward towards goal. So he's great if you want to play long balls as well. You know, deep long balls behind the the back line. But still. I, I feel like he's a very, very specific player that he needs a very specific uh, system. And it's, I mean, he, he does function well under Flick in Germany. I mean, he scored just now in the in the internationals, but you know, I think I think it's the combination of having a manager who also trusts in you and a system that works for you. And he is very, very specific to both. Yeah, but 49 appearances in the Premier League, seven goals, six of which were last year. It, it's not a shining record for someone who costs 60 million. It's not great, is it? No. But there is such a good player. I mean, I've, I've seen him live once. And he scored a hat trick. And he scored a hat trick <laughs> against Gladbach, who at the time were doing quite well. So that I so it's weird because it was one of those players like the Kai Havertz signing. When he signed for Chelsea, it was like, oh god, yeah, um, like like this is a, this is an issue, this is a problem. And now he's just become almost a parody of himself. Like it is a little bit depressing, isn't it? It's the same thing I said with the. Well, I said it with Martial. It's not really worked because Sevilla, Sevilla fans don't like him already, but he'll go and he'll do exceptionally well somewhere else. I've got no, got no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, put it this way. He's functioned as a lone striker in Germany's lineups. But then again, he's also got players around him that are more tailored to his approach, I guess. If that makes sense, like you've got a Müller, Havertz, and Sane feeding him. Yeah, but at Chelsea, he should have Kai Havertz and Ziyech and all these creative players feeding him. So it's not, it's not like he's gone to Chelsea and he's not being given the opportunities because he's had so many opportunities. Yeah. Like I'd say it's just, at, at some point you basically as a player you you're in an environment where you can't really function anymore or basically you've tried everything it just hasn't gelled like some people just don't work together or work well together and I'd say it's almost the same with some environments and some players I mean if we're being honest I wouldn't be surprised if Leipzig would have him back Oh yeah, they've not they've never really replaced him, have they? As, as good as Andre Silva is. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna use another United example, but Memphis Depay. Exactly. Was so good for PSV. So bad for United. <laughs> and then so good for Leon. 
it's now gone back again and he's not doing terribly well at Barca. So, I, yeah, I think as a, as, as a player, as much as you kind of would like a player to go, no, I'm going to prove myself, I'm going to do well. I think there comes a time where they just have to go, look, for my benefit, I have to leave. Yeah. And it's not even so much a fact of like playing uh, style and whatnot. It might just also be the environment. Yes. Which is almost not quantifiable sometimes. No, it's uh, not. It's not the the uh, not the experience Timo Werner would have wanted at Chelsea, but wherever he goes next, he probably will do very well. Should we move to Manchester and something that must be giving you stomach ulcers again, seeing the name? It's giving me brain aneurysms, man. <laughs> it's the rumors surrounding Eric Ten Hag, current Ajax manager, who should who is looking to be on the way to Manchester in the summer. No, I, I don't believe it. I don't buy it. It'll end up being Poch or like Julian Lopetegui or something. I'm not. So I sent this to some people uh, the other day and it was. Um, so uh, Eric Ten Hag wants an answer as soon as possible. So it's now in United's hands. He's attracted by the club, but it will take some time for them to decide as they want to talk to other managers. And I use the example, hey, I want to date you. Oh, hi. I would like to date you too. Okay, well, I'm going to talk to those three people over there to see if they want to date me as well before I come back and decide whether I want to date you again. And in that scenario, I'm pretty sure that one person would say, well, fuck you then. Well, there was apparently two other clubs that want to talk to him anyway. One of which being Dortmund, but Marco Rose has been told by my friend and yours, uh, was it Hans Joachim Vatska? There you go. There we go. Uh, that his job is safe. Like, he's not the issue at Dortmund. Well, I'm I'm sorry, but that would be so dumb if Dortmund were to ax Rosa now because they should know full well that their club, I mean, I said their club, their squad is the problem. You know, Rosa's, Rosa's a fantastic manager and he's proven that. He just needs a solid squad around him. You know, taking a look at Dortmund's back line, we've been saying it again and again. I mean, if you have to work with that, no wonder they're conceding so many. But yeah, coming back to coming back to the other managers, I, Ten Hag is probably the best solution for Man United at the minute because I think Pochettino. So the, the, the issue at United that has been sounded out by most people is the amount of ego by some of the players. Yeah. And if Poch couldn't deal with the ego of some of the PSG players, then he's just going to get walked over by the likes of Ronaldo. And Given, I, I think you don't get more ego to deal with than you do at PSG if you're a manager. No, it's, I mean, it's, take a look at Thomas Tuchel. He's been dealing with the egos at Chelsea pretty damn well. Yeah. And 
it, so there's those rumours of Poch going back to Spurs. If he goes back to Spurs, he'll probably probably do reasonably well. Well, yeah. The, I mean, the, given the, that Spurs keep their dream duo and maybe loosen the purse strings, but yes. The biggest issue I've had with this entire thing is not how long it's taken, is not how batshit some of the candidates seem to be. Like Luis Enrique is clearly not going to leave the Spanish national team in the no. in a World Cup year, <laughs> like why would you? I, I I anyway. It's the amount of ex players or pundits and things like that going. Yeah, but Pochettino's got the Premier League experience, or Pochettino's been in the Premier League before. Jose Mourinho wasn't in the Premier League when he came to Chelsea for the first time. Jurgen Klopp had never managed in the Premier League. Pep Guardiola had never managed in the Premier League. Sir Alex had never managed in the Premier League. Conte had never managed in the Premier League. I could go on. <laughs> I mean, you've just named this is about all... 10 of the last 12 Premier League titles in the this last all... 12 seasons. This is all bullshit. And it's, I don't understand. And something has just come through on Sky that they are, United are informally gathering information such as what compensation figure Ajax would be expecting. How you do that informally, I don't really know. I was about to say, you only ask the Just ask Edwin van der Sar, what would you want is compensation? It's not... Oh, I hate this club 90% of the time, I swear. (laughs) Well, like I said at the beginning... They're giving you stomach ulcers. Literally are. Can we please talk about the substitutes rule before I, you know, have a heart attack or something? Well, we had the whole discussion at the beginning when the pandemic first uh, saw its first restart of the Premier League with the project restart. We had the five subs. The Premier League didn't continue it for some reason. No one knows why. And now Jurgen Klopp has, again talked about it so often that it's becoming a meme and now the Premier League has okayed it for the next season why has it taken so long just right off the bat I genuinely don't know because the teams that play in Europe get access to five subs every other league in Europe's top five has five subs and the biggest I think the biggest uh, point against it has been from people going, yeah, but if you've got two extra players to bring on, the bigger clubs can bring on two better players. <laughs> and Jurgen Klopp's response to this is fantastic. And I love him. <laughs> and I wish he's like, everyone's cool uncle. So he's, he said, you are, you were at the bottom with three subs. And I'm sorry, you would be there with five subs as well which is so true because it's not the quality of the subs. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if you've got a poor squad, you've got a poor squad. You haven't got, it's not like uh, Norwich have got this fantastic kid that they want to bring on, but they can't but they because can. they've already yeah. made three subs. You know, if you were going to bring a player on to change the game, you'd bring him on. <laughs> nah, Jürgen Klopp has spoken, has spoken for every fan out there. Yeah, he says what we're all thinking. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't get much clearer than that. 
I think it's a it's a good thing. Because you can look yeah, at it. It is. I mean, it, it protects players. I mean, he's also completely admonished the fact that every other professional sports league, except in football, allows for a longer offseason. Uh, he, he compared it to, you know, contact sports. Like, uh, I mean, yes, American football is a tad bit more contact than, than football is. But still, he was like, you know, in the NFL, they've got a six-month offseason. Granted, I'm not saying that football should have a six-month offseason, but the fact that, you know, you have so few breaks and, you know, you're playing World Cups as well and you got about five different national cups and whatnot, the very least they could have done is get the five subs in. And if anything, that's just another reason not to care about the Nations League. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't get much. It doesn't get much dumber than that, you know. Inventing another another competition just for uh, money at the end of the fa- at the end of the day. No. But going back to the subs, I think you can you can look at it from two ways. You can look at it as the clubs with the bigger squads are going to do better. But it's also a chance for fringe players or younger players to break through. Because if they've got that fifth, fourth and fifth sub, say you're like 3 no up in a game with 15 minutes to go, but you've already made three subs. You can't bring that young winger on or that young exactly, midfielder yeah. or, or whatever. You can't give them the game time. You can't give them the experience. So especially with the, the, low, the rules on loan players changing, Chelsea's team next year could look a hell of a lot different. They might actually have to play Charlie Musunda. (laughs) Well, they might have to just play those fringe players because they can't sign anyone else. Here's hoping. (laughs) Well, let us know in the comments and on Twitter and Instagram what you think of the five subs rule coming into the Premier League next season. Let us know who you think will be the next United manager and what are your opinions on Erling Haaland and Mino Raiola? And as always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to check all the updates of breaking news happening in and around the world of football, as well as check out the 50 Plus One Football Podcasts on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And as always... Thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm and love the beautiful game.